0: Hello, and welcome to The Bigger Picture, the podcast where we tell the stories that matter. I'm your host this week, Blake Hudson. The US is responsible for two of the most infamous incidents in the history of syphilis. Perhaps the most notable 20th century example of this is the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment. This infamous clinical study lasted 40 years between 1932 and 1972, and is still relevant today as it affects many people's attitudes, specifically those in the black community, as reasons for distrust of the establishment. So without providing too much context, let's begin. Tuskegee is a small town in Alabama with a university. In 1932, the university recruited 600 impoverished black sharecroppers from Macon County, Alabama, to take part in a medical study. Specifically, they wanted to study the long-term effects of syphilis. They tested the 600 men, and 400 of them did have syphilis. And the plan was to study them for six to nine months. I'll repeat, six to nine months. And then give them the best treatment available, and study how that affected them. Unfortunately, this study took a turn for the worst almost immediately. The person who came up with the study wanted to be completely open about it, but was rejected by the University. Under the assumption that, well, if we tell them about their syphilis, they will get treated right away. So perhaps you're wondering, how do you sell this to the men? Did they say, we're gonna study you even though you don't have a disease? Well, Their main cover story was that they were merely studying the general health of the community and that the participants were helping them find the diseases that were going around in their society and helping them treat the people of Tuskegee better. I do wish this is where we could end the story. Perhaps a larger organization comes in and puts a halt to it. Unfortunately, things would get much worse from here. The gentleman who came up with the study resigned very early, very early on in the process due to the deceit and misinformation that he was seeing. However, the university took it over and at the end of six months they gave them the best treatment that was available at the time, which was mercury ointments and an arsenic bismuth injection, which was used in an attempt to kill the bacteria through increasing the system's toxicity. It was probably worse for the men than the bacteria in the first place and eventually proven to be ineffective. At the time, penicillin was not yet established as the standard syphilis treatment. Unfortunately, this is where things really begin to go off the rails. The university decided that since they still have syphilis, we're not going to tell them and we're going to continue to study them indefinitely. Long after penicillin was proven to be successful in its treatment of syphilis, the men were still never treated with the antibiotic. On the contrary, the men were told they were being treated for quote-unquote bad blood, a phrase that was used to describe a whole litany of conditions such as syphilis, anemia, and fatigue. In fact bad blood was actually the leading cause of death within the southern black community at the time. So not only did they not inform the men of their condition but tried to deter them from consulting outside medical care so as to keep them ignorant to the disease in their system. So fast forwarding nearly eight years later this study was conducted off the books, so to speak. And at the start of World War II, nearly 250 of the men volunteered in the US Army. As a result, all of the men received a standard STI test. At the time, the military had a pretty forward-thinking mindset about this topic. Condoms were given freely, and STIs were treated with anonymity so as to not stigmatize the condition further and deter individuals from seeking treatment. In this particular instance, these men were told they had to be treated before they could enlist. Now, there are stories of some of the men going back to the university to ask, how could you have missed this syphilis, of all things? But they were met with the university response of, they don't know what they're talking about, Don't, don't get treated. After the war, around 1947, post-World War treatment, based on the Nazi experiments in concentration camps, these sorts of studies were deemed illegal under international law. Plus, penicillin by now had been demonstrated as an effective cure. So? Clearly, the university gave them in the penicillin and shut down the study. End of story, right? Wrong. The study continued, the men were monitored, and this was no secret in the scientific community by then. By this time, there was no overarching guidelines for ethics in scientific studies. This is this study is why we now have ethics boards. In fact, during the mid-1960s, at the heart of the civil rights movement, they were still publishing their results in scientific journals. And one doctor wrote back saying you you have to shut this down. This is awful. But of course, he was ignored. So the CDC, who at this point was running it, made the official decision to continue the study to completion, which meant until all of the men were dead and had autopsies conducted. By that time, three quarters of the men were dead. 90% of survivors had been treated with penicillin and didn't have syphilis anymore. Most of them were tested during World War II and, and had known. Now, many doctors complained, but the doctor who complained first went to the press, and when this story broke, finally the story was shut down due to the huge public outcry. And again, this was on the heels of the civil rights marches, protests, and demonstrations. So while many blacks were publicly advocating for the full extent of their constitutional rights, this type of dark sin was taking place behind closed doors. The idea that this level of disregard for people was an absolute bombshell. Class action lawsuits were filed, and Over 9 million were rewarded to the surviving men and their families. So nearly 40 years later, 74 were still alive. 128 had died either directly or indirectly as a result of their syphilis. 40 had infected their wives unknowingly. And 19 children had been born with congenial syphilis as a result of this study this story has been a case study for distrust of the establishment. This was known, written about, and an official government department had allowed this to take place. In fact, some even tried to defend the ethics of the study after the fact, saying, the longer the study, the better the ultimate information we would derive. Statements like this suggested a very dark and twisted view of the human condition. It seemed as if the men's status was deemed unworthy of ethical debate. They were merely subjects, no longer patients. Clinical material, no longer sick people. In conclusion, this does not include the whole aftermath and ramifications of this study, but it is a cause for reflection and understanding of many different strands of thought. How do we as a society view the human and give dignity to all? At what cost will we seek to advance science? What is the role of the press in exposing truth? These questions and others are the ones we need to consider both individually and collectively or our society will not last long if we refuse to answer.